Hello, welcome to the Lewisburg United Methodist Church podcast. Thanks for joining us today. For sermon notes and videos related to this message, please visit lwbumc.com. Today's scripture comes from Matthew 23, verses 23 through 28. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You keep meticulous account books, tithing on every nickel and dime you get. But on the meat of God's laws, things like fairness and compassion and commitment, the absolute basics, you carefully or carelessly take it or leave it. Careful bookkeeping is commendable, but the basics are required. Do you have an idea? Any idea how silly you look writing a life story that's wrong from start to finish, nitpicking over commas and semicolons? You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees, frauds. You burnish the surface of your cups and bowls so they sparkle in the sun, while the insides are maggoty with your greed and gluttony. Stupid Pharisee, scour the insides and then the gleaming surface will mean something. You're hopeless, you religion scholars and Pharisees. Frauds, you're like manicured grave plots, grass clipped and the flowers bright, but six feet down it's all rotting bones and worm-eating flesh. People look at you and think you're saints, but beneath the skin, you're total frauds. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you. I used to have a professor in seminary that would say, there are some Sundays you should get up and say, okay, folks, that's the word. (laughs) There's not much more you can say. Little school I grew up at Talkett was so small that we didn't have a football team. But we had a basketball team, and we had a baseball team. And I enjoyed playing both of those sports. And our coach, Dallas Mann, would get after us. Uh, because sometimes we'd be out in the field, I was in left field, and we'd get a little bit uh, almost asleep. But you know, when, when the batter is in the batting box, and, uh, and I asked some young people today if this is still the case in, in high school sports, they, they still do allow you to chatter. You know what I mean by chatter? Hmm? You know... Hey, batter, 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 thank you. Batter, 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 batter. He can't hit, he can't hit. Come on, fire it in there. He can't hit, you know. And we'd get real quiet, and we'd just kind of say, whatever. And the coach would say, I can't hear you all out there. And then we'd all yell up, "Uh, come on, help me out here. Batter, batter, batter. Come on, swing, batter, swing, batter, 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 batter. Yeah, that's it. You've done this before. And, uh, And when the ball would get pitched, we'd all say, swing, you know, but... There was just one problem. In a tiny school, you don't have nearly as many uh, uh, good pitchers. And so, (laughs) you know, if you don't have a good pitcher, it doesn't do much good to talk a good game. (laughs) Because after the third batter is walked on third base, second base, and first base, you're feeling a little bit deflated. So anyway, Jesus is really pretty harsh on the religious body of his day. When I, when I hear this passage, especially from the message, so different from the New Revised Standard Version, I just want to kind of 
feel a little bit uneasy. Did you feel a little uneasy with the reading of Scripture today? I feel a little uneasy because I realize that of all the people that Jesus addressed in his earthly ministry, the people he was the most difficult with were the religious people, us. If Jesus were here today, he'd be harder on us probably than anybody else. And uh, I love the video that Bev worked up today. There are no perfect people here today. Just regular people trying their best to make it. And the reality is, is that uh, as InterVarsity Press, this little organization that I used to get their little pamphlets from, they sent one out a few years ago, and it was, it was entitled, The Hypocrite in Me. If you didn't know this, there's a little bit of hypocrite in every one of us. The danger is, is that we can forget that. We can forget that we are not any better than anybody else, that we're all on this journey together, we're struggling, and when we forget that, we end up like the Pharisees who are basically saying, I'm a little bit better than uh, anybody else. Now, a few years ago, Reeve and I were uh, leading uh, youth as well to various mission places, and it was always a good experience. And um, one year we asked a young person to design the T-shirt that we would wear on this trip. And so after a few days, she came back with her design all drawn out. And all it was, it was bright orange with white letters. And all it said was uh, P-G-U-W-I-N, P-G-U-N. What on earth does P-G-U-N mean? And she told us, she says, it means preach the gospel, use words if necessary. 17 years old. Yeah, that's pretty good. To get the message that it's not about, uh, you know, your, your talk has to line up with your life. And that's where the Pharisees were. They weren't lining up. And Jesus called them out on this and said, hey, you know, the, there's a little bit of what's going on inside you that's, that's fraudulent. You know, um, The Old Testament prophets were the first to call the Israelites out on this because the prophets of the Old Testament would say to them, God is saying right now from heaven, I hate your feast, I despise your ceremonies. What I want is love and kindness and righteousness, not sacrifice or burnt offerings. Another place the, the prophets used to say, when God smells your burnt offerings, because in those days that's what they would offer up, a, a lamb or an oxen or, or something like that as a burnt offering on the altar, God would say to them, it stinks. And it would stink, literally. But God, the reason God would say it would stunk was because it didn't represent true devotion. It was just a ceremonial act. You're just going through the motions. And there really is a danger in our religious life to go through the motions sometimes. And that's why I think it is important not only to be present in worship for the challenge that calls us back to get our feet on the ground, but also in Christian education and other forms. I know I'm looking forward this fall to getting back into teaching disciple Bible study. I haven't taught that for about four years now. I'm really excited to get back to leading a disciple Bible study class. I hope that if you've not done that, you'll, you'll consider being a part of it. Uh, but I, I just want you to know that it's, it's when we get down to hearing the Word and being challenged by the Word and recognizing that, that there is a little bit of hypocrite in all of us, that it calls us to bring our feet back down to the ground. Only when our creeds become deeds do they then and only then become compelling. By the way, did you know... 
that there is one thing that religious people and non-religious people have in common. Both of those groups despise hypocrisy. Think about it. What is a hypocrite? That's the New Revised Standard Version. Fraud is what uh, the message uses. But a hypocrite is a person who wears a mask, who appears to be one way, but in reality, underneath that mask, they are entirely another person. But did you know that when we practice our faith with genuine heart and, and feeling, that it has power to transform and to impact the world. One of the best stories that I ever came across over my life was from Harry Emerson Fosdick, one of those great preachers. And he, he talked about the atrocities that occurred in Armenia during the early part of the 20th century. And here's a story that he told one time in a sermon. He said there was a Turkish soldier during that uh, time who was chased a woman and her brother into a dead-end alley. The Turkish soldier killed the brother, but the woman escaped with her life. Later, that same woman was captured and put into a military hospital to work. And one day, the soldier who had killed her brother was brought in critically injured. Even the slightest inattention to his care would have caused his death. She says that parts of her cried out for vengeance over her brother, but the Spirit of Christ in her would not allow her. And when this soldier got better, and he recognized that she was that woman in that alley that day. He said to her, why is it that you have been so kind to me when I killed your brother? And she said, because the one I serve says that I should love my enemies and do good to them. And this is my faith. That Turkish soldier looked at her and said, tell me more of your religion, because I would give anything to have a faith like that. I can't think of anything more important in our journey than to be real, to be genuine, to be honest and open about who we are. And the struggles sometimes are real in this life. And they sometimes bring us back down to a place where we need to be. Another thing kind of coming full circle again to, to the sports analogy that I started out with, um, Reeve and I, our basketball people, they used to ask us 16 years in Huntington and 10 years in Morgantown. We didn't go to hardly any football games. They said, don't you like football? I said, it's not that we don't like football. I didn't grow up with football. Reva played basketball at college at Concord, and I played basketball, and we loved basketball, and we both went to school at Duke, and they got a basketball team. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so uh, we would, uh, people would always rib us about uh, Duke. And a lot of people don't like Duke, and that's okay. I still like them too. But we would say after they would win about 13 games in a row at the beginning of the season, we would say secretly to each other, we hope they lose at least one because it brings their feet back down to the ground. You know, my friends, there's nothing more significant that can happen to those who are on this faith journey than to have something that brings our feet back down to the ground. I remember when Cameron was just little tiny, and he had to have surgery. He had broke his arm, and they had to take him in surgery, and put him to sleep, put his arm back in place. And uh, I remember sitting in the waiting room while he was in surgery and, and saying, as I looked up to the heavens just in my heart, saying, now, God, I've prayed for lots of people over the years as a pastor, but this is my son, so I just want you to know I'm really praying. 
I was almost embarrassed to say that. But there are times and events in our lives that bring us to our knees. And it's not a bad thing. Because it reminds us that this journey we're on is a real journey. It's just not a a game that we're talking. If I can just talk a good talk and give a good game, you know. I used to have a person in Morgantown who went went out of church every Sunday. Von Kiger was his name. You may know who Von was. Von Kiger would go out of church every Sunday. He'd shake my hand and he'd say, Good show today, preacher. (laughs) No, no. But in the purest sense of the word, he really meant that something touched him. I didn't know it the first time he said that. I thought he was confusing what we were doing in church. It's just a show. That's not what this is. This is real life. But I think the Pharisees had gotten the idea it was all about show. Jesus called them out on it. You're just like a tomb. You look all pretty and white and sparkly on the outside, but on the inside, there's nothing different about you. So there were times that uh, I think it's all right for us to kind of get a little bit humbled. Humility can be a great, a great thing to get us out of any form of hypocrisy. And, you know, I just want to read something here to you. This is what Paul said about this. One of the greatest Christian leaders the world probably has known. He says, you know, I don't understand my actions. He said this in Romans chapter 7, verse 15. I don't understand my actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I don't want, I agree that the law is good. But in fact, it's no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I know that nothing good dwells within me that is in my flesh. I can will what is right, but somehow I just don't do it. I remember being in a Sunday school class in South Carolina one time on vacation. We always went to church on vacation. Our kids never liked that. They said, we're on vacation. We don't go to church on vacation. I said, yeah, but your mom and dad never get to sit sit together in church. We like to go to church on vacation. I remember this, this uh, we were in a Sunday school class, and this, couple, this, this one fellow in the class says, you know, I don't know why people talk about the Christian life being so hard. It's the easiest thing in the world. And I thought, where do you live? You know, <laughs> there are days that it is difficult. There are days that it's a challenge to make the right choice. I was just talking to a couple of good friends of mine. This, the one was telling me that the lady who was very responsible for leading her to Christ encouraged her to go back to church, encouraged her to, 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 to stay on the road of faith, is now in prison for embezzlement. She said, how did that happen, Tim? How can a person be so committed and yet turn around and be entirely opposite from what you thought they should have been? It's this conflict that's in us. It's this little bit of hypocrite that's in every one of us. Don't be deceived. It is in you too. You think Jesus was just talking to the Pharisees? He's talking to me. He's talking to you. There are days that I say under my breath, God, be merciful to me. And what is it, the curiae lays on that says, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. We ought to say that at least once every day. 
Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Because we all need it. Now, if you'll close the service with me today, one more thing. Just pull the hymnal out. Yeah, we don't pull it out very much because we got so accustomed to technology, but the, the hymnal's still in the rack there. Turn over to page 890. 890. Yeah, it's way, way in the back. This is the section that refers to prayers of confession, assurance, and pardon. Well, I don't have anything too big to confess today. How about y'all? Just as sure as I think that, maybe I'm surprised. How about we come to the close by saying this? You know, it used to be a day we said these every Sunday. And the reason we got away from them was that people began to say, those printed prayers, are, we're just going through the motions. We don't like that. But there's still something very powerful about saying with one heart and voice that we're sinners. So if you will, let us pray this prayer together. 890. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Hear this. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us of our sins through Jesus Christ and strengthen us in all goodness by the power of the Holy Spirit. Keep us in eternal life. Amen.
Thank you for listening to this teaching from the Lewisburg United Methodist Church. We pray that you are blessed by God's Word. For additional teaching, resources, and podcasts, as well as who we are and our upcoming events, please visit our website, lwbumc.com.